Do you remember The Andy Griffith Show? A show about a charming, lovable character. Then they thought it was a good idea to make a spin-off about the idiot mechanic entering the military. Now picture that, but with animated cars. Lightning may not have struck twice, but we're here to trade in our dad jokes for dangum and prove to you the Cars 2 is not that bad. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this edition of It's Not That Bad, the podcast that looks for A grades in B movies. And today we are making the show a family affair because we are talking about the worst Pixar that ever Pixar'd, Cars 2, and joining me is my family, starting with my lovely wife, Carrie. As always, Carrie, welcome to the show. How are you? Ka-chow! Ka-chow! <laughs> <laughs> but we have a special guest. We brought in a ringer for today's show, because joining on the show, making his podcast debut, is our oldest son, Patrick. Patrick, welcome to the show. How you doing, man? Good. <laughs> are you excited to be on the show? Yep. All right, you ready to talk cars too? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, Carrie, when you realized that we were going to have to rewatch Cars 2, how much trauma were you having from all the times that Patrick made us watch this when he was a kid? I am simply confused that we're talking Cars 2 and not Cars 3. <laughs> really? I am. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of with you on that one. Patrick, what are you? Uh, I like all Cars movie. Doesn't matter which one. That's okay. That is completely cool. But before we start talking about Cars 2, we are going to take this Pixar film and trailerize it. Japan, a country that has dealt with giant monsters, earthquakes, and a gun-toning Spider-Man is about to get one more hook in the hiney. Enter Mater. Rusty idiot whose mere presence is enough to make you question your life choices. He's about to enter a world filled with spies, ninjas, conspiracies, mafioso, espionage, all in the sequel to a movie that made you watch NASCAR and think it was cool. To quote Conchu, is in charge. Larry the Cable Guy stars as Mater in the Jar Jar Banks of Pixar films Cars 2. Rated G. I would like to take issue. I, I have issue with that. Okay. Where are your issues? Aside from the hook and the hiney. Oh my God. <laughs> Oh my God, poor Mater. (laughs) It should be known. It should be known to our dear listeners. We had to go through that a couple times because Patrick and Carrie could not stop laughing through the entire read of the trailer rise. So you're hearing the heavily edited version and I am totally, totally cool with that. Bullying Uh, (laughs) is never right. It doesn't matter if it's real life Fictional characters. characters. (laughs) All right, let's go through the breakdown of who's in this. So it stars Larry the Cable Guy, Owen Wilson, Michael Caine, Emily Mortimer, Eddie Izzard, John Turturro. And because it's a Cars film, we have to mention the cavalcade of voices from the racing world that are in here. You've got Brent uh, Brent Musburger, Daryl Waltrip, Jeff Gordon, Lewis Hamilton, Sebastian Vettel, and Jacques Villeneuve, which if you're a racing fan, this is really kind of cool because you get to hear, you know, you're some of the top racers at the time be involved and was still at the heart of it all a racing film. Um, However, however, this film put the brakes on Pixar for a bit. This was the first Pixar film not to be nominated for the best animated movie Oscar since Pixar started doing films and since that became an Oscar. Just for reference, the movie that won best animated film that year was Rango. Rango. Let me say that again. Best animated film over this one 
was Rango. Johnny Depp as a lizard in the desert beat out Cars 2. You you have this look of sadness on your face. I am sad. I <laughs> I don't understand. Perhaps maybe Patrick, you can help me understand that. First of all, have you seen the Johnny Depp movie that Daddy's talking about? Have you about? seen Rango? I've seen a little bit of it. Yeah. Like, What's your take on that? Well, I mean, I haven't seen uh, the full Rango movie, so I have not much of a full-on opinion on Rango. But I did enjoy Cars 2, and I would say I'd prefer it over Me too, Rango. buddy. Me too. Now, it did get nominated for some awards. Now, it was nominated for Best Animated Film at the Golden Globes. However, it lost to Tantane. The animated Tantane film. Um, Owen Wilson, not Larry the Cable Guy, Owen Wilson was nominated for Favorite Animated Voice at the People's Choice Awards. He lost to Johnny Depp in Rango. Uh, This movie was nominated for Best Animated Film at the Kids' Choice Awards and nominated for Best Animated Film at the Saturn Awards. Both times they lost to Puss in Boots. Oh, well, Antonio Banderas did. Antonio Banderas is Puss in Boots. He did make (laughs) that movie awesome, however. Exactly. Uh, And Michael Iacchino won the ASCAP Award for Top Box Office Films for the score that he did for this film, Um, which is kind of interesting because this is the first Cars film. The score was done by Randy Newman. Uh, And if you know Toy Story, you know Randy Newman for sure. But they switched gears and they went to Michael Iacchino for this one. Again, apologies if I screw up any of these names. Um, I'm just an idiot in the basement, which I'm going to get that on a shirt. I'm just an idiot in a basement with a microphone. That's that's my disclaimer for everything. That's fair if I can have my Very Carry Movie shirt. Uh, if you would like It's Not That Bad swag of I'm Just an Idiot in a Basement with a Microphone or It's a Very Carry Movie, please, by all means, hit us up on Twitter. Um, but you know what the nice thing is about these movies is that they seem to be almost critic-proof because when it comes to the box office, cars be making money. Um, this film had a 200 estimated $200 million budget. Domestic gross, however, only... 191 million. So if you're just looking at the domestic, it's a loser. However, worldwide gross of $559 million. I feel like Dr. Evil now. $559 million, which is the highest worldwide gross of the entire Cars franchise. Now, just to let you know, it did actually debut at number one. On the, on the box office charts that week. But it, it didn't exactly have, you know, competition. There was one other film that debuted that week. And it was Bad Teacher with Cameron Diaz. Not exactly in the same mm, realm or stratosphere. However, however, sitting at number three was Green Lantern. Green Lantern. Wasn't that the worst? That was the- that, that was the worst Ryan Reynolds that ever Ryan Reynolds. Oh. Right. Right. Um, so it's not it's not like it had too much competition in the box office, but still a sixty-six million opening sixty six million dollar opening weekend on June twenty-fourth, two thousand eleven. Um, so you know, cars be making money. That's okay. Uh, and you have to think that they made a ton selling toys as well. However, when the critics got a hold of this one, that's when it comes into our purview. The meta score on this film is a 57, which, okay, whatever, right? This is the only film in Pixar history to get the old green tomato on Rotten Tomatoes, sitting at a 39% tomatometer and a 49% audience score. So before we get into the breakdown of this, Patrick, yep. why do you think people did not like this film? Um, honestly, I'm guessing they would not like it because it took 
a different side of the story from just plain racing. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, when you were watching the movies, and, you know, obviously still watching the movies because they are fun, you know, like, do you watch it for Lightning McQueen or do you watch it for everyone else around Lightning McQueen? Honestly, I preferred Cars 2 because it's different and unique in a way. Yeah, and then Carrie, for you, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, we, we joke around that NASCAR is, you know, big loud cars turn left all day. Um, did we, Obviously, when Cars first came out, we were like, oh, this is kind of a sweet film. And then Cars 2 came out, and this is this big action film. If you had to take between the first Cars and this one, which one do you lean towards? I got to say, Cars 2 all the way. That mm. is, okay, so my take on... If you were to just compare Cars, the original, with Cars 2, because let's be honest, Cars 3, no, mm, no. Um, it's a buddy movie, right? And the first one was so focused on Lightning McQueen. Mm-hmm. But I love, I love that they gave Mater this opportunity to shine because let's be honest, Mater was the kindest and most accepting of Lightning McQueen. They became besties. Mm-hmm. Like, it was because of Mater that McQueen went back to racing. He might have just, I don't know, wiled away his days and given up his his race career if it weren't for Mater, his best friend, um, not pushing him, but supporting him. And the antics along the way. Like, why? Like, how how is that not accepted? You know, it's uh, um, I don't know. Name another buddy movie where the first one was one focused on one of the friends, and then the second movie was the second friend. It, it I wonder. Al- it almost feels like you know, if you took Lethal Weapon, right? And really, the first one was about Mel Gibson, right? But if you took the second one and made it all about Danny Glover, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, sort of, yes, it did, but to a point, no. I I think the biggest thing here is that, you know, Cars, the first one you could argue is kind of like a Rocky sports type story, you know, competitor, a champion kind of, you know, hits hits a rough spot, needs to build himself back up along the way, has this, this, you know, journey of self-discovery and the like. And then all of a sudden, you know, we've got discount Austin Powers going on in Cars 2. So it is a straight up right turn as opposed to a NASCAR left. So I think that's kind of what threw a lot of people. But let's get to the breakdown here. Uh, and I think we do need to start with the story. This isn't one of those ones where we kind of go straight to the actors. We have to go to the story on this one. So Patrick, as far as as the story went you know going from that you know the story of lightning mcqueen and him kind of getting back on top of the racing world and you know defeating chick hicks at the end you know this there's no chick hicks here right this is all mater ends up in some weird spy thriller type thing your first thought you know like is this the better story definitely why because it's so different and so original in its own way mm-hmm. i'm gonna i'm gonna hypothesize something here uh and carrie i'll toss this one to you a lot of people compare cars 2 to the original cars and they're like well it's not like cars 1 it's not the same it doesn't you know it doesn't have that heart i wonder and you know just to, to, to hypothesize this if cars 1 didn't exist and the real Cars 1 was this story about a world where cars kind of replace people. And so you have these kind of spy thriller type things. If you didn't have Cars 1 to compare Cars 2 to, um, do you think it gets a better reception? Mm, no, I I think it was necessary. I don't know. Patrick, what do you think? Um, do you see the benefit of building the backstory between Lightning McQueen and Mater's friendship and taking it to the second movie? Um, Yes, because if they went with the second one first, then it's just going to be like some random tow truck and some random race car Mm -hmm. end up in in a situation where things change up. 
I don't even think it would need to be Lightning and, and Mater at that point. I think you could just have a Cars, Cars World spy thriller. Maybe that's what they should have done, is not made it a story about Mater and Lightning McQueen. Just have it be a Cars story, or like set in the Cars world. I have to pull out a quote uh, by Larry the Cable Guy in an interview. And he said, Cars 2 was kind of more of a Mater tale. It had really nothing to do with the movies. It was more of a Mater dream, which I got, and which I don't think anybody else understood that except us at Pixar, which could mean the events of this movie are completely non-canon. Is that him trying to justify why everyone didn't like this film? Or is that was that really the intention? Because we know they put the Mater's tall tales out afterwards and those shorts were a ton of fun they got to play on a bunch of different uh, genres and styles you know and they were you know shorter lengths so they were you know very easily digestible you could watch the entire all of Mayor Tall's Tales in about half an hour uh which you made us do many many times Patrick I will although I don't I, I, I can't fault you they were fun I didn't mind watching them I didn't I, I don't hold a grudge I don't hold a grudge. Well, guilty as charged. I, I, I made you watch it. I absolutely loved it. Every single time you would ask to watch the Cars movies, and it was pretty much on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Um, we would watch, you know, we would start with one, and then we would put on Cars 2, and I would refuse to let us go to Cars 3 because, you know, that one doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. I, I'm really hating on Cars 3, and I apologize for that, but... I kind of feel like... You're not apologizing. I, I feel like... You own that. <laughs> that was the one that was completely... I think at that point they just wanted, what, the the Cars franchise, like the merchandising. Um, merchandising. Because, merchandising. Because um, the first two movies, I think, focused on the main two characters. And they should have left it at that. And I don't know. Maybe they were trying to... Um, I don't know, like bring back the franchise or, or give <laughs> give the, uh, the rem- movie a good name. I don't know. It reminds me a little bit of The Simpsons. Let me explain. When The Simpsons first came out, um, the focus was very much on Bart. You know, Bart was the story. Bart was the one that, you know, all the, all the shenanigans kind of um, revolved around. And as the seasons went on... Um, they started to realize that Homer was a better source for the, for the material. And the joke started to center more on Homer being an idiot. And I, this kind of felt that way a little bit where if lightning McQueen is Bart in this sense, then they just took a straight up right turn and went over to Homer, AKA Mater and started to tell his story. But I, we mentioned Mater's tall tales and I wonder if it would have served cars to better like if that's the true, if that's true, if this is just Mater, you know, telling a story, why not put Mater's Tall Tales out beforehand, and then release Cars Two, and then it makes a bit more sense. Mm, I look at it the other way. I think the movie needed to come out first because otherwise the audience would have something to compare it to, mm-hmm. and they would be like, okay, this was better as shorts. In small doses. The Saturday Night Live uh, theory. But when you think about it, though, I mean, I draw back to, I don't know, putting out the um, possibility that this movie did so well worldwide because it visited the different points of the world. And, you know, Mater went from... um, what radiator springs Mm -hmm. to they went to japan Japan, and then they went to italy and Mm -hmm. london and and then to london yeah and i really i loved that i love that this movie itself not only had that worldwide appeal but it had almost like mini stories Mm -hmm. for each one of them and that's the thing it's it's not like you know it was a major movie and lightning mcqueen just kind of showed up you know there was still enough lightning mcqueen in it um you know patrick did 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 you feel that it was more a major story or or was there enough lightning mcqueen for fans of the original to kind of get behind i mean it was honestly in my opinion perfectly balanced Mm -hmm. can i ask you patrick who is your favorite character and why? 
At least from Cars 2. I gotta say Finn McMissile because mm-hmm. of the beginning. That's the thing. Like, you know, and, and if we're, we're going to jump over to the characters here and talk about them, you know, you had a lot of new characters that you were introducing. Of course, you know, the first one we got, we got to meet Lightning. We got to be, we got to meet Harry or Holly. Sorry, not Holly, Sally, Sally. Um, and then we got to meet Mater and, you know, uh, and the entire, you know, Radiator Springs family. Uh, and then all of a sudden, Cars 2 opens up and there's this like big spy thriller with, you know, Michael Caine's Finn McMissile coming through. Um, yeah. I mean, first of all, it's Michael Caine. It's Michael Caine. You cannot go wrong with Michael Caine. And I like the fact that, you know, it's almost like he brought two of his, you know, roles around that time together into one character. A little bit of Nigel Powers from uh, Austin Powers Goldmember. And a little bit of Alfred from his time doing the Batman movies. It was almost like, you know, spy meets, you know, almost a mentor figure. Because, of course, Holly Shiftwell, a rookie on the job. He figures that Mater is, you know, you know, deep in cover, if you will, or at least knows it and, you know, knows the truth and kind of helps him along the way. What was it that made you like Finn McMissile? Um, like I said, the beginning of the movie where it had that action scene that sort of made it it got to introduce him. So you feel it was a strong introduction to his character. To his character. And what did you think about him almost as as uh dad mentioned having like almost a mentor or leadership role he was training Holly Shiftwell. He had taken Mater under his wing and had to now train the idiot tow truck. I'm using my finger quotes. The, in the idiot air. is in charge. Um, <laughs> yeah. what, what do you, what do you think about him taking on that role? I mean, he did do that. Do you think he was a good leader? Uh, well, there's sort of two sides to it. Okay, what are the two sides? Because, I mean, the bad side of it was he was pushing Mater beyond his limits. Mm-hmm. But it, it, with Mater on his side, he was able to get the job done. Exactly. Do you think it's that he saw the potential in Mater? And that's probably why he did it. I like the fact, too, that, you know, with Finn McWhistle in there, it brought back a little bit of that, you know, that Italian job feel into it. And when you think about, like, all spy thrillers, you know, you got the Italian job or even, like, heist films, like Fast and the Furious. You you can't really talk about any kind of vehicular-based movie and not point out Fast and the Furious and, you know, the umpteen million films that they have done. You know they're doing another one? They're doing... What are they on now? Ten. The tenth. <laughs> ten. Fast ten. Like, we're, we're, we're getting close to Friday the 13th levels here, I think. Or Nightmare on Elm Street, one of the two. But, you know, the thing is, you can't deny, you know, car chases are cool. Car races are fun to watch. There's a lot of... Even Iron Man 2, which, you know, a lot of people will point to as the weakest of the Iron Man films. There's still that scene where Tony takes over the car before Whiplash starts to attack. I'm like, like... Car racing is cool. Now, I have to I have to point out something here, in that and and Carrie, you will agree with this one. Um, people who like NASCAR like NASCAR, and they're not necessarily fans of other types of racing. They'll appreciate it enough, uh, and they'll respect the drivers. But if you like NASCAR, you're you're all for turning left. I personally like Formula One. I like the open wheels. I, I am like Sally. The open wheels are good, but. Francesco Bernoulli. Francesco Bernoulli. Um, but I wonder if that kind of pulled it away from the North American audiences a bit. Because you had, you know, Formula One type cars. You had rally cars. You had more Gran Turismo type cars. Like, it felt like a Gran Turismo game. Watching the variety of cars in the World Grand Prix. Do you think pulling it away from the NASCAR setting hurt it a little bit as far as North American audiences go? Ooh. That's a straight up sportsing type question, and sports I feel go sports. that's out of my realm of of expertise. There, 
it, 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 it does bear thought, right? Because, you know, NASCAR, I mean, let's just be honest. NASCAR is huge no matter what time, right? Um, and NASCAR fans are very passionate about NASCAR. And I get it, right? Me, me personally, though, as far as NASCAR goes, um, I would rather see them on a road course. I'd rather see them have to turn right or even a roval. But when it comes to, you know, almost world racing, um, you have to get in your mindset that, yeah, these cars don't, you know, they don't bump well and all that. So there's a lot more strategy to the racing. And I just wonder if that kind of pulled them away. And and John Lasseter, the creator of this, even said that he came up with the story idea while he was touring the world, um, promoting the first Cars film. Uh, so it, it does make sense. I do like the fact that, you know, if you're looking for a spy master, you have to go with Michael Caine. Like, you cannot go wrong with Michael. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. But we also need to talk about Holly Shiftwell, um, as played by Emily Mortimer. And we talked about Emily Mortimer on this show before. Um, how was Holly Shiftwell for you, Patrick? Well, um, uh, like Finn McMessell, a new character to the movie, who was introduced in Japan mm-hmm. as a character. Did it seem, I mean, obviously she's new on the job. And, you know, Finn McMissile said she's new on the job. Um, we know that Finn kind of knew that Mater was not a spy, right? But Holly seemed a little hmm, oblivious. Probably. Probably a little bit. Um, I, I guess that's the big question, right? How do you take Mater as a spy Seriously, at what point, you know, is, is Mater like the method actor of, of, of undercover American spies? <laughs> that thought just hit me right there. Carrie, how about you? Like, like listening to Emily Mortimer voice Holly Schiff well. Like, again, great voice for this. I think the perfect actress for this. But as far as the storyline for Holly Schiff well, um, we know that Mater is not the... Um, Oh, how do we say the the fastest car on the on the grid? <laughs> well played, well <laughs> not, played. Not the swiftest vehicle. Maybe going in reverse, but not the swiftest vehicle in, in the grid. But it just seems like everyone else around Mater is more the idiot. It's, do you know what it reminds me of? Do you do you remember the movie The Spy Who Knew Too Little, starring Bill Murray, mm-hmm. where Bill Murray kind of ends up in this what he thinks is one of those like murder mystery type adventures where you you know the actors leave all these clues and you're you basically have to go around and you know solve the MacGuffin it's kind of like one of those party game kind of things um except that it's actually he falls into an actual spy type heist type thing now I want to watch that it is a fun movie it is an absolute fun movie it does sound that Mm -hmm. uh, um it's been a while since I've seen it um 
But to your point, okay, so if we were to bring it back to Cars 1, where um, Lightning McQueen's new to town and the dynamic between um, between Lightning and um, Sally, right? At first, they just couldn't stand each other. And by the end of the movie, they wound up in love, right? Mm-hmm. Um, no, Sorry if I'm spoiling anything here, but if you <gasps> haven't seen the Cars How franchise- How dare you? <laughs> yeah. How dare you? It's a little too late if you haven't seen the Cars franchise. 11 years later. <laughs> However, when you get to the second movie, I love that Mater had the same chance at love. I love that at the end, it was almost kind of like Mater has always been very um, kind and sweet and caring. That's towards, a real that's a real courteous way of putting towards, it right there. <laughs> towards towards Lightning McQueen, you know, he, like he's, he's a gentle idiot. <laughs> he's always been. He has always been nothing but the good guy, the great friend. Right. And you want to see him succeed. And he and he finds his girlfriend. And I love that. <laughs> I absolutely love that. We need to talk about Francesco Banuli. Can I just interject? Oh. And I, I want I wanted to I wanted to give props and I'm not the only one that's just as crazy as Mater. I loved that line <laughs> where the aged car, <laughs> there was like the statue, um, said, she's just as crazy as Mater. I, I absolutely love that he found his match. So, Okay. I, I will admit, if, if there's any character that I found myself quoting more out of this movie, it is Francesco Bernoulli. Okay, so Patrick, I, I need to put it out there because part of part of the, the the best parts of a of a of a kids movie or a comedic movie is how much you quote the film afterwards. Is there a character that you quoted more? Honestly, I never really thought about it that way. No, no. I mean, <laughs> I know, I know. I've lost track of the number of times I've gone. It's a fragile. It's fragile. <laughs> there is something about. John Turturro and we were talking a very very good actor like I, I loved Quiz Show like I think he's a phenomenal actor but when John Turturro gets to pour on the crazy I, I confession time here I have a guilty pleasure I have a guilty Adam Sandler movie pleasure it's you don't mess with the Zohan and John Turturro as the phantom in you don't mess with the Zohan. Like just John Turturro is a gem. I today, by the way, found out that he apparently starred in a movie called God's Behaving Badly that has never really seen the light of day, apparently. I've read the book. The book is fantastic. It's got John Turturro. It's got Christopher Walken. I need to see this movie because the book was hilarious very British wit. Um, I, I need John Turturro, please let me watch God's Behaving Badly. Somehow, some way, let me watch this movie. Um, but for you, Carrie, Francesco Bernoulli, were you, were you attracted by the open wheels? <laughs> I loved him as a character. I absolutely loved the, the bumper sticker scene where lightning's like oh that's cute did you have one of those made up for everybody no no <laughs> no no is it just for you <laughs> yeah he, he he had the absolute arrogance um that was absolutely perfect of the was he not he was the only it was the only formula one car right yeah. right um so with that said and and you have to help me out here is it an equal race if you have open wheel and NASCAR type cars on the track. Do they have the same speed capability, the same handling capabilities? Like, is it a fair race? Is it even I th- I think possible to think? I, th- I think there's, I mean, and that's why when, when they were, you know, putting together the tracks, I guess, for this race, you know, 
there was a dirt section on the tray on, on the course itself. And that was going to benefit more the, the, the rally cars. And of course, Lightning McQueen who, you know, learned from the Hudson Hornet, how to, how to drive in the dirt, you know, you got to steer into it kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I mean, formula one cars are, are fast. We're talking fast, right? Um, it's, it's hard to really tell because the courses are so different. Um, yes, NASCAR does have road courses, but for the most part, they're in an oval or they're on a super speedway. Um, Formula One, you are turning left and right all the time. There is no such thing as an oval for Formula One. IndyCar kind of does both. So IndyCar is almost like the, the middle ground for that one. It would be curious to see uh, if, you know, you put it a Formula One car and a NASCAR car on the same course. Two races, one in a, one in a super speedway and one on a Formula One track and see who would win. I will say though, you know, Formula One cars, you know, sorry, Francesco, he's a fragile. He's a very fragile. Um, NASCAR, if you've, you've ever watched a NASCAR race, they will bump each other. Like the entire, the whole thing about getting a Darlington stripe is going into the wall and, you know, leaving a little paint on the side. I mean, these cars are tanks. I have seen cars be covered in gaff tape, just holding it together so they can get it on the road 20 laps after they got knocked out. Can I just ask you, Patrick, the dynamic between Francesco Brunulli and Lightning McQueen, like, what was his beef? Do you think it was warranted that he was so mean to McQueen, like, right off the the moment he met him? Again, um, honestly, this is an, in my opinion, sort of Yeah, absolutely, thing. yeah. Um, his, Francesco's ego got the best of him and allowed him to underestimate Lightning McQueen. Do you think that was by design? Do you think he was trying to break down Lightning McQueen's uh, confidence? Yep. Although, technically speaking, if you think about it, that last race in London, uh, again, spoiler, you know, because Lightning kind of did go off course. I'm so getting beat today. (laughs) (laughs) But technically speaking, Francesco would have won. So Francesco is the winner of the World of Grand Prix. Uh, If it wasn't ruined no no i'm i'm sitting right here right now francesco bernoulli <laughs> fastest car in the world um but you know what's funny and like you you've watched the show with me a few times is watching formula one drive to survive and you kind of see not necessarily you know the john turturro-ness of a francesco bernoulli but you know there's there there's some pride you know quote-unquote pride you know there's a lot of ego on that course i don't know if it's ego or passion I mean, it can uh, be both. Remember uh, the one episode that we watched, and just seeing Daniel Ricardo, the, the emotional breakdown and the the guilt, the absolute guilt that he was holding on to mm-hmm. because he wasn't connecting with the car or having car trouble. And I mean, that's 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 a a huge weight on your shoulders, like something so out of your realm of control. Mm-hmm. And and that's the, the fascinating thing about Formula One Drive to Survive is that you, you know, when you watch the race on TV, it's, yeah, the cars go around the track and really fast. And, you know, once you understand tire strategy and pit strategy and whatnot, you know, it's a little easier to digest. But when you, when you watch the shows and you realize like the dynamics of, you know, team racing and pit strategy and, you know, trusting, trusting the mechanics and the, and the computers as opposed to trusting the driver. Like there's so much that goes into it and it's literally nanosecond decision-making. And when you think about it too, there really is that ownership, right? Like Mm -hmm. these drivers are putting their lives on the line, um, to win a race. Mm -hmm. Like, Risking how many car fires have we seen? Oh, it, just, it was and the one was it uh, two seasons ago, where the Formula One car like went right into the rail and like it exploded. It literally tore in half and exploded, and the guy still walked out. The driver was okay. Yeah, yeah. incredible. Like mm-hmm. that is incredible passion where you you know put your absolute life on the line for your sport. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of. To, to draw it back or draw the parallel to this movie, I think 
When you talk about Ego or you talk about Francesco or even Lightning McQueen in the first movie, he had some ego on him mm-hmm. that I think um, you have to have made it, her though. broke down a little bit. Um, I mean, you know what? It, uh, it it was it was it almost I love that they portrayed it in a children's movie or a family movie because it really is a thing and it really is in line with the sport. I'm just going to put it out there, and Patrick will ask you. You know, when you think about the first Cars movie, you know, Lightning McQueen needed Mater to help him kind of, you know, discover himself. Is Francesco Bernoulli what happens if Lightning McQueen doesn't have Mater? Now that is a real interesting thought. Whoa! Mm-hmm. Drop the mic there, <clears throat> right, Daddy O? Because think about it, Francesco Bernoulli really doesn't have any friends. Right, he, he, you don't see him talking with his crew. You don't see like he is all ego all the time, except when he's talking about his mama, right? But you know, but really, if Lightning doesn't have that journey of self discovery in Cars One, he's no longer Lightning McQueen. He turns into basically Francesco Bernoulli just without the open wheels. Like it's almost like there's that, that that black mirror kind of kind of aspect to Francesco Bernoulli and maybe I'm overthinking a Pixar film but well let's be honest that by the time you get closer to the end of the of cars 2 which we're here to talk about lightning had a little bit of that reprise of his ego of his um you know that darker side of him coming back to surface mm-hmm. um when he got into the fight with mater and he was like pretty much you know shutting himself off of his friendship and forgetting kind of where he came from and why he was there in the first place mm. and there's there's a concept too right when you think about it right cars one we spent two hours on a journey of self-discovery for lightning mcqueen and within like the first half an hour lightning reverts back it's like well what do we spend the first two hours before right like it's it's almost like lightning mcqueen was almost done a disservice by having to have that fight with mater because it it pulled his character back a little bit but then i mean obviously he comes around again by with the presence of francesco bernoulli there's that whole black mirror thing like you had your moment okay you had your little spat don't go down this road what do you think, Patrick? I honestly don't think it was Francesco who was convincing Lightning McQueen that uh, that the fight with Mater was not worth it. Who was it then? It was Uncle Topolino. Uncle Topolino, which apparently, and in reading, you know, IMDb as I'm doing my research today, apparently Topolino is, I think, the Italian name for Mickey Mouse. So that's why he's Uncle Topolino. So, you know, deep Disney dive right there. But I think you're right. Like, like there's that moment where they're, when they're in Italy and they're, uh, they're at, they're at Luigi's family's house. And yeah, like he has that, you know, kind of moment where he sees everyone, they're happy and he, he can't get over himself. And yeah, Uncle Topolino kind of comes in and, you know, calls him out for it. Like just doesn't let him hide behind anything. Like, you know, you almost need that honest that honest moment for Lightning Queen to go, oh, oh, yeah. Very, very wise. Very wise, Patrick. I like that. Um, I do have to point out that this film had a wonderful tribute at the beginning of the film um, to Paul Newman. Now, Paul Newman passed away after the making of Cars 1. Paul Newman, um, if you don't know racing, he is heavily involved in NASCAR racing, uh, you know, there was Newman Haas as far as the teams go. Like, he's always been very involved with racing. And to have him involved in the first movie was a huge boon. However, obviously he passed away, could not be in. I think it was a nice little tribute that they put in uh, for Paul Newman in that. Because you don't recast. You don't recast that role. I know they recast uh, George Carlin uh, who was in the first film, but um, you don't recast Paul But it Newman. wasn't a huge part. No, it wasn't. It was just like a line or two kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, you don't You don't recast Paul Newman in that. And to be fair, it was so necessary because at that point they're talking about the, <laughs> they're, they're talking about the, um, the gasoline of choice and, uh, you know, 
and and basically how it was that Lightning McQueen was saved. Mm-hmm. So. I, I want to, I, I, we got to talk about the Lemon Mafia. There's no other way to put it, the Lemon Mafia. Ah, Patrick, can you name them? Um, uh, well, there were four types of the Lemon cars. Okay. There was Trunkoff, Pacer, Gremlin, and Hugo. There is a pantheon of cars that were made that just were not were not good cars. We and- own most of them <laughs> in diecast form. I was, I was about to say, not in our driveway. I was, I was about to say, my van drives well, um, but um, but that's always. I mean, there's always been the joke of like you know, you, know, you you can't you cannot physically sleep in a Yugo because it's just not possible. Um, the fact that you have this this world of of horrible cars as your mafia, and they're trying to, you know, you know, put down the concept of alternative fuel. Which, by the way, that 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 concept hits a little different. You know, 10, you know, 10, 11 years later, like they're trying, you know, everyone's trying to go electric cars right now. Um, this movie was kind of playing it down. This this movie brought to you by the oil industry. But, yeah. <laughs> but you know, when you have characters like Professor Zundap, right? Like it's, it, it played so well into all those kind of like British type spy movies. Like Austin Powers did it so well. Um you know, so for Carrie, for you, like, did this feel kind of like an Austin Powers film? Oh, it's interesting you you put it out that way because I I I didn't. It wasn't a conscious thought, but now that I reflect, um, it's possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was like when you mentioned Zundap, Professor Zundap, yes. Him and Miles Axelrod are actually two different lemon cars. They're not like mm-hmm. under like a, one of the four categories. Yeah, and, I mentioned, and, and that's the thing. Like you have a wide world of cars, and for car nuts, it's going to be very, very cool to kind of go through it all. Like I said, it kind of felt like playing Gran Turismo with all the different cars there. Now, Patrick, as I recall, you were playing the Cars Two video game as well for a bit, right? Uh, uh, well, used to until and until I stopped doing the PlayStation Now service, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, shoot, you're gonna bring that up on the podcast? You're gonna shame your father. <laughs> oh, shame your father on his own darn show. Oh, dear Twitter. Oh, please explode so Patrick can petition to get back. <laughs> I have been shamed. I have been so shamed by my own son. How dare you? <laughs> well played, sir. Well played. Oh, um, just waited for the right moment and then I'm going to stick the knife in. Oy. I think he's digging for payment on the show. He's, he, oh. <laughs> he's named his price. <laughs> yes. you're, you're looking for a buyout on this one, aren't you? You're, you're just looking to, to cash in, aren't you? <laughs> oh, Yes. Oh, I'll get you for that one. Uh, we mentioned at the beginning of the show that that the the reins of the <laughs> that the reins of the composer were handed over to Michael Iacchino. Um Randy Newman is a phenomenal composer when it comes to Pixar films. Like Toy Story is Toy Story because of Randy Newman's soundtrack. Um, You've got a friend, friend in, in me. me. No, we're not going to say. Nope. No. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah, it's not Toy Story. No. You just remember what your old pal said. Because oh. you've got a friend in me. We're not singing. It's Cars, not Toy Story. Okay. <sighs> we, get, we get shut down again. I know. We're not going to let this kid back on the show. Big time. <laughs> but when you're listening to this, like it needed to have like an adventure spy type soundtrack and i think this one kind of really hit all the you know pardon the part of the music pun and it hit all the right notes on this one you know in listening to the soundtrack (laughs) you're still laughing at this aren't you (laughs) in listening to the soundtrack carrie like in comparison to all three cars movies does this soundtrack really stand out as the best one to you for me it's not the music composed but it was the use of 
Help me out on this one. Oh, the Cars cover? Yeah. Yeah. So Weezer doing a cover of You Might Think by the Cars, which, uh, you know, rest in peace, we're okay. You know, the Cars are phenomenal. Um, but yeah, no, they're, they're, again, smart, smart uh, soundtrack choices. But there was something about that score, uh, that Michael Iacchino score that, that really brought something out from this and just you know it wasn't this isn't just stock you know stock music this is this is a well done score designed and crafted in order to make this the best patrick when you were watching this did the music add to the uh to the story for you um honestly in my opinion they were perfectly needed mm-hmm. it really did help um you know the suspenseful moments the um that kind of spy yeah. Theme. Yeah, that 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 almost twangy guitar kind of thing. Like you you do you get that, you know, maybe not Austin Powers vibe at that point, but you do get that almost a James Bond type score feel. And I think And that is what I was thinking. Yeah, Michael Yuck, you know, I think pulled that off perfectly. Like that ASCAP award is is definitely well deserved. Um I also need to bring up the animation here because I remember like every time we have watched this movie, you know, I kind of bide my time until we get to the London scene. Because there is almost a photorealism to uh, the city of London and as they're driving through the streets. Like, it doesn't feel like when they were driving in in Tokyo. It doesn't feel like just an animated film. It feels like, you know, almost a Who Framed Roger Rabbit-style animation where you had the animation in the actual streets. And I don't know if that's the case or not, but there was... There is an utter photo realism to the animation in in uh, during the London part of the race. It's interesting you brought up London because I think that when he went to uh, was it Tokyo in mm-hmm. Japan, um, I loved the lights. I loved the brightness. I loved the neon colors. Um, I loved the um, the little. Um, the car park, mm-hmm. the the little tip to the hotel there that um, it it was so well done. It was so fun. And they did play on a lot of the, uh, you know, the things you read about in Japan. Like, obviously, we've never been to Japan. I'd love to go one day. But, you know, the fact that they had, quote unquote, compartment hotels for the cars. You know, you had the uh, happy anime bidet for, for Mater. Um, you know. I love that there was a voice actress that was uh, credited mm-hmm. for being the talking for toilet. The talking toilet. I love yep. it. <laughs> Do not go in there. Um, you know, watching the... Uh, the the Takeshi's Castle type, you know, Cars version on the airplane as they're flying there. Like the wasabi ice cream. Oh God. It has it turned. Has turned. Uh, uh, do not eat the pistachio ice cream. <laughs> come on, put a little more in there. Put a little more. So it come on, turned. it's free. <laughs> That's, Patrick was so right. Do not eat the pistachio ice cream. By, by the way. It has turned. You got me on the show again. You will eat the turned pistachio ice cream. <laughs> There'll be a big old bowl waiting for you there. <laughs> Is this your act of revenge? Oh, no, don't you worry. It's coming. <laughs> Remember when I mistook um, wasabi for avocado? I oh. thought it was a great big piece of avocado and oh. popped it in my mouth. You, you had that moment. I had that moment. I had a mater moment. <laughs> oh, that, 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 that is, I think, how it should be described as people get older. You just have a mater moment, you know? <laughs> yes. I, I think that's kind of the way to go. But yeah, there, there was such a photorealism to it. But um, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, this is still a Cars movie. So, you know, forget Cars 1. Forget Cars 3. I need to put it to both of you. And Patrick, we're going to start to you. Who did you prefer in this movie? Lightning or Mater? Obviously Mater. Carrie? I'm with Patrick. Mater. I'm going to have to go Lightning. And I say that because, A, I like to be different. But B, um, <laughs> but B, Mater's, you know, as, as, as blissfully ignorant as he is, um, there's no, the, the redemption arc seems forced for him. It does. Whereas Lightning has to, literally, Mater's off doing all this stuff. And in the background, there's still Lightning. It's like, okay, no, I, I, I had a, I had a, 
a jerk relapse, if you will. And then, you know, he realizes that he, you know, he could continue down that road, be selfish and become Francesco Bernoulli or, you know, realize that friendship matters above all. And then he's got to chase after Mater, even though there's a bomb and jets coming out of his butt and the whole works. There is still at the heart of this, you know, for, for anyone who says that the heart of the film is uh, of the Cars franchise was gone with this one. And that's one of the biggest comments there still is. It's just hidden behind discount Austin Powers. I think the heart is strong in, in like, again, by the end of the movie where Mater was the bomb. Mm-hmm. No, Mater, you're the bomb. You're really the bomb. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Before we get to our MVPs, the interwebs have spoken. All right. Uh, Over the Top XD chimed in with best cars film will forever say it. Do not get the hate it gets. And I I kind of agree with that. Like, it's not it's not a bad film. I think I think this is more along the lines of, you know, all three cars films are the lowest rated as far as Pixar goes. So if people like Cars 1 and Cars 1, I think, has about a 71 percent tomato meter. If people like Cars 1 and then they come into Cars 2 expecting different or expecting the same or continuation of Cars 1 and they get this, you know, were they expecting too much? Were they expecting something different? Like, what do you think, Gary? Yeah, but they've got their own ride at the theme park there in California. So who's oh. laughing now? That that is that is a fun ride. If you're, oh, it was amazing. <clears throat> yeah, once you get past the hour and a half wait but that's that speaks volumes there's an Mm -hmm. hour and a half wait patrick when it comes to a movie that you like like does it matter what the critics say is this movie critic proof does not matter what the critics say as long as the person who's watching likes it that's all that matters exactly very well said i think that was that's really our purpose of being here. Mm-hmm. Now, Jeremy has also chimed in with Cars 2 is the pinnacle of the franchise, a spy movie with exotic cars and even more exotic locations. Friends become enemies. Enemies become friends. Characters take us along on their journey of self-discovery and grow. The other two movies are about driving fast and only ever turning left. And I love that. Right? And I and I think that that's, that's a huge, huge thing right there is that, yes, Cars 1 and Cars 3 are basically glorified NASCAR films. It's it's Days of Thunder. You know, it's Talladega Nights, the, the, the legend of Ricky Bobby, but in animated form. You know, I want something with a bit more action and fun. I want something that's going to take me on a on a thrill ride patrick you know as far as the three cars films go which one did you walk away from enjoying more i enjoyed all of them honestly personally even though mommy says she doesn't like cars three i think cars three has as much uh, as much potential as the first two Okay, but if, if I have to put it to you, right? If I say, okay, Patrick, you get you get to choose the movie. We're going to watch a racing movie or we're going to watch uh, a British spy film. British spy film, uh, totally. <laughs> right? Regardless if it's animated or not. Um, and then Kathy, uh, Kathy McEachern chimes, chimes in here on Twitter with, the members of our family who have seen it, hate it. They took a perfectly good idea and ruined by moving it to Japan, spies, action, don't know what Pixar was thinking. We saw this with our oldest and refused to show it to our other kids, even though our four-year-old is a big Cars fan. Um, and you know what? Um, you know, you, you can like it or dislike it, and that, that's okay. But I think at the heart of this, it's a fun, fun kids thrill ride, right? There's a lot of action. There's a lot going on. Um, you get the jokes. You get the humor. You get the fun. And, you know, maybe Carrie, you'll agree with me on this one here. When it comes to animated films that are done today, there has to be enough jokes for the for the parents as there are for the kids, because otherwise we're going to suffer for an hour and a half. You know, much like our listeners to this podcast listening to me. But, you know, as far like did this hit all those notes from a parent's perspective? 
I think it did. I'm reminded of the scene where it was almost the spies in in disguise montage Mm -hmm. and Mater kept changing form, um, probably at the most inopportune time. Do you remember that, Patrick? That scene where he turned into an ice cream truck and... <laughs> oh, the monster truck and the taco the- truck, yep. <laughs> uh, depends on which moment you prefer it. The moment when it was in t- uh, when it was intentional or not intentional. Oh, the, when he's first trying out the uh, the suits, when he's first trying out the disguises. Oh, then that's a different story. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where it almost... off with it. Yeah. Sorry. It's almost where he, it blew his cover almost, too. Um, and, and Patrick, for you, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, we as parents, you know, we'll, we'll take you to the fun movies. And we, for the most part, I, I don't know if there's been a, a, a movie that we've taken you to that we haven't liked. But as far as this one goes, you know, you have to we as parents, we watch it over and over and over again. What is it about this movie that makes you want to watch it over and over again? The fact that it. Honestly, truthfully, it's the fact that it involves cars. I've always had an in, an interest in cars. That's true. Like it's it's you know, I'll admit we may have gotten you a few of the cars over the years, but when it came when it comes to Toy Story, and and I I have to put this out there when it came to Toy Story, um, obviously there was Buzz and there was Woody. And then there was a bunch of old vintage toys that, you know, parents got a kick at a scene, like you know, the speak and say and the, you know, the, the Mr. Potato oh, Head, Mr. Potato Head. Yeah. Um, and of course, they all kind of came back in the toy stores. But I mean. Oh, and the phone, the rotary phone. I think the nice. Exactly. I think the nice thing about the Cars film, though, is that you don't necessarily need a Cars brand Disney car to be able to you know, enjoy, you know, use your imagination and pretend that they are racing against Lightning McQueen. You know, any car will do as long as you've got a good imagination. Uh, and I think that's, you know, the what Pixar does best is it plays upon the, the imagination and allows you to be able to kind of sink into that world very, very easily, which is why we didn't buy you any, you know, goldfish. We're not doing Finding Dory. No. <laughs> well, let's be honest that, you know, if you, and it was proven by Pixar's merchandising department that if you like slap, I don't know. Slap eyes on a car. Eyes, <laughs> eyes and a, a face on the, the front of it. You can make a, you can make a marketable, um, really anything. They went over and above cars. There Trains, was, planes, there was, automobiles. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There was planes. Um, there was that, um. Was it blimp? It there, was there's a, the bullet. Yeah, and the blimp. Yeah, the, blimp the Goodyear blimp. Yep. Uh, there was a, a a bus or some kind of train. Basically, if, if, if it's if it's locomotive in any kind of way possible, um, slap eyes on it, and it's in the car's world, and that just makes it you know very easily accessible. But it's come time to lay it on the line. So, Patrick, I'm going to start with you. You are you're our special guest for the show. Who is your MVP of Cars 2. So far, I have to admit it, Finn McMissile. I don't... I, you can't really hate on someone choosing Michael Caine. Carrie, who's your MVP of Cars 2? I have to go with Mater. Mater? I have to... Yeah. Dad gum. You know, this isn't going to be a surprise to you. My MVP of Cars 2 is Francesco Barnulli. Honestly? Honestly. I prefer, I mean, I thought you'd prefer Professor Z. Professor Zundap? No, no. (laughs) And I think what it is, and it it comes back to, you know, how quotable is the character? Um, And Francesco, you know, John Turturro just brought so much fun to that. I mean, it couldn't be made her. You're, I'm not walking around the streets of of of, of our city going dag gum dag gum dag gum. <laughs> I could just imagine. Uh, yeah, the, the, your your mom made me stop doing that. <laughs> it was a rough night one Tuesday, and I was going around going dag gum. <laughs> also, buy dag gum, chewy, tasty. Uh, 
<laughs> the, da- the dad jokes are back now. <laughs> Patrick, thank you so much for being on the show. Carrie, lovely as always. Now to you, our listeners. Uh, if there's a movie out there that you think is unfairly maligned or is just so bad that there is no way in dadgum that we're going to find anything good to say about it hit us up on twitter at not that badcast we will watch it we will dissect it we will not let patrick watch some of those movies um but if it's a kid's movie sure why not but we will find the a grades in those b movies carrie patrick thank you so much to our listeners thank you so much for listening until next time this is it's not that bad take care it's nfl draft season and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football fantasypoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points fantasypoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play whether you play fantasy football daily fantasy sports or do a little bit of everything fantasy points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.